Welcome to Pivot to First. I'm Mike Seidel, and every day as CTO at Pivot CX, I get to work with some of the most brilliant people in the industry with one goal, turning hiring into a competitive advantage. Today, I'm excited to be joined by James Whitlock. James is the Managing Director at Think in Circles, a sales and marketing growth agency, and an expert on recruitment marketing. He's also the host of the Marketing Rules podcast. So uh, thanks for joining us today, James. Uh, Mike, it's an absolute pleasure to be with you today. Uh, really looking forward to it. Yeah, I think I was on your podcast, what was that, about a year ago? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Um, uh, again, one of our more popular podcasts. So if anybody's listening, go kind of have a have check that out and uh, listen to Mike being particularly insightful uh, and telling us all about kind of uh, uh, his, 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 uh, where he can add value and all the kind of things that he can add to your business. But yeah, it was, I think it was around about a year ago now, but uh, still one of our more popular podcasts. Wow. Um, so tell us a little bit about Think in Circles and, and your podcast. So thanks for the opportunity to, to talk to your audience today. Well, Think in Circles, uh, we're 10 this year. Um, we're a uh, marketing agency, especially uh, focused on the recruitment and staffing space. Uh, we work specifically with um, staffing and recruitment agencies globally. Uh, and we work with um, suppliers into that space as well. So usually kind of HR tech providers. Um, and we work with businesses that you know don't have their own internal marketing function. And we come in and we kind of take that on board. We build out their uh, marketing strategy, their marketing plans and everything else that goes into that and then deliver that for them as well. Um, so we're part marketeers, part almost kind of recruitment agency because you get one of my, one of my team as one of your marketeers within your business. Um, uh, and yeah, so it's, it's really not that much more kind of complicated than that. Uh, obviously, the guys do their kind of like clever stuff or their kind of, you know, their, their, their dark marketing in the, in the, in the background. Um, but um, yeah, we are kind of UK based. Uh, we've got but we've got uh, businesses that we work with kind of globally. Um, and uh, yeah, it's a really kind of uh, crazy, busy market at the minute. And as you also mentioned, yeah, um, one of our one of the added values that we add back to our, our kind of uh, audience is the Marketing Rules podcast, which I said you've already been a uh, a great guest on. Um, and um, this, like like what we're doing today, it's a great way to kind of add value to our uh, clients and people that kind of really want to know a bit more about um, the what's going on in the marketing world uh, and kind of recruitment in general um so yeah so you know i, I got to ask you this so the podcast name is marketing rules so so how mm -hmm. many rules are there in marketing <laughs> um let me see one two i mean there's loads right i mean the, we don't it, it's <laughs> there's all kinds of kind of rules and they keep on changing right it's a moving target that's the thing with kind of recruitment marketing there's always something coming along that's going to kind of slightly kind of change the angle and change what you need to do. And um, it's usually based on uh, no, there's some new methodology, some new social media platform, some new kind of marketing guru says we all have to do this thing. And so everybody kind of pivots and tries to do those kind of things. Um, the, I mean, in the end, the, the, the real rule is, you know, with, with any marketing, you want to you want to get return on investment or what we like to call growth on investment, right? We don't want to just return your investment. We want to get you growth on that. So that's really the kind of main fault that, that, that marketing should be, uh, should be aiming for. So let's, uh, let's get down to the interview here. So um, you're the CEO and you see a huge number of unfilled positions in your company. You're having to adjust the, you know, your, your staff hours, you're having to change how you schedule people. Um, you're having to cut production lines because you don't have people to staff the line. Um, you're adjusting production to fit the workforce. 
um, how do you, how do you begin to diagnose what the actual recruiting problem is? I mean, uh, there's probably just not one problem. That's the thing there, right? You know, there's a couple of different problems. Um, I guess if you're at one for what, first off, if you're a CEO in that, in that, with that kind of, uh, with those issues, you're not alone, right? You know, there's a lot, we're all there at this minute. I um, mean, there's not necessarily such, um, uh, this kind of war for talent, right? It's not, there's, there's not a lack of talent. It's, it's, it's demand, right? You know, um, you'll know as well as I do from this, that the actual kind of employment rates are quite high at the minute. So it's actually trying to find the right people and get those people to join your business and what's better about your business than other than what it is you know what they're doing now and why they should stay there and you know being more comfortable so in that case there's, there's a kind of there's a plethora of things that are probably need to be kind of tackled okay um uh, and from a and i'm obviously speaking from a from a, a marketing perspective there's a couple of things right you obviously need to make your business look much more attractive than other businesses okay um and one of the things why um, kind of people obviously move, we know one, it's potentially salary, but also things like kind of benefits, company culture, you know, uh, uh, flexible hours and all those kind of things now play much more of a part in why people want to leave one, one, one role and move to another role. So having a look at this internally and understanding kind of what your, your company offers when it comes to those kinds of areas is probably the first thing to do. Um, so looking internally, understanding, um, you know, and also is, is also a good thing to do is talk to your current staff, right? What is it that, you know, they like, really like kind of, I don't think kind of people near the top, and I know these are CEOs and I know you're very kind of very busy, but understanding your workforce, no matter, you know, even if I'm sure if you've got a really big workforce, you know, it's, 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 it's a lot di more, more difficult, but understanding your workforce and why they're there in the first place and what it is, that, is it, that what reasons why they're staying, you know, and, you know, that could be one of the kind of keys around this. Uh, once you understand that, then you have to start kind of telling the outside world what's great about kind of why, why you want to, and this is, there's no quick fix around this, right? You know, you know, you know, even though as a, uh, you know, our main core business is working with recruiters and staffing agencies. Um, and that's, that can be, uh, you know, the, the kind of your initial feeling is right. We're going to go down that route and kind of spend some money, throw some money at this and staff up. The recruitment and staffing agency are just having as much difficulty trying to find the right people for your business as they are in the first place. Right. So it's, it's, there's a whole, this, this whole chain, everybody's looking for these in they're fishing in this very small pond basically. Um, so one way we can kind of uh, help you, uh, you know, look better at the outside world is things, you know, uh, lots of years might have heard of things like employer branding, okay? Why, you know, how well do you look and how good do you look to the outside world? You know, we know that a lot of candidates now are doing more and more research on your business, okay? And so they've got, there's something like, you know, you hear all these things around seven touch points with your business before they do any, any commitment. And that, and, and that usually refers to the kind of buying process. But it's also to do with the recruitment process as well. They will look at you. They will look at all your other kind of touch points online. They'll look at what you're doing on Instagram and those kinds of places and then arrive on your career site, on your website, for instance. Now, well, more, more importantly, they'll be looking at what people are saying about you in the comments on Instagram, you know, Twitter. They'll be, they'll be looking for any bit of evidence they can find out there about this is a great place to work or, you know, Lord help you. They find something that's like you're, you're terrible. 
exactly so you know more and more these kind of reviews and and uh websites like glassdoor and those kind of things are playing much more into this kind of uh what is the outside world saying about you so um but you can get a bit obsessed with that i think right you you know we know we work with businesses who get oh, are so focused on oh we have to have we have to have google reviews we have to have these reviews we have to have these reviews because they you know it's these advocates that they're kind of looking for um but I think there's a certain, there's a little bit of skepticism around that that it's possibly, you know, falsified slightly or something can be kind of made to manipulate that. You know, this is this is an interesting point that that we we all spend a lot of time and money investing in in reviews outside of our company and all that. And I think a lot of times companies don't bother looking at their own recruiting process and what the candidate goes through. So I apply for a job on Indeed and I get you know I see your Glassdoor review, I go apply, and what happens to me next? Uh, usually mm -hmm. that is something like I wait three weeks and then I get a vaguely worded email back from the employer saying that the position is already filled. Um, or they get, I get one back that says I'm not qualified and doesn't tell me why. So, you know, I think that there is sometimes a little bit of, of uh, process that's not right in the companies and it causes people to see those reviews in even more negative light. So I apply for this job. Somebody says it's a horrible place to work and I put that application in and they sure did not go very quickly. They sure did not pay attention to me. They didn't even say hi to me after I applied. They didn't even talk to me. They just sent me an anonymous email. Yeah. So this is what we call the candidate experience, right? So, Absolutely. Um, and you're right. It, it's a flow, you know, but it, it branches off in all kinds of different directions. Um, and as soon as someone has a really bad experience along that, that you know, in that, in that workflow, and that experience, uh, that bad experience doesn't necessarily mean just being someone kind of not being rooted, but you're right. It's not being responded to, not feeling like someone has paid attention to you. And you know what? It's so easy these days. There's so many bits of tech out there that can make this whole thing a lot easier um, and automate this kind of process, right? To make people feel that they are well, still, they're, they're up to date. They're, 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 they're kind of, they're engaged basically. I mean, James, that's what, what we built our company around was delivering a better candidate experience. But it's amazing to me how much companies go out and try to invest in managing their reputation. And at the same time, they, they aren't willing to do anything to actually improve the validation that these candidates get for the company. They, they, they are so focused on what everyone sees on the outside that they don't even think about, wait a minute, if I just treat these candidates really well, they're going to take that as evidence this is a good place to work. Yeah. Yeah. And they become advocates. Right. And that's what you want them to be. And, you know, the whole thing around, even if the person isn't right for the job, even if they're, you know, even if they're really, you know, really never going to work for your business, they should still come away feeling that they've had a fair experience. Right. And the, the fact that they have just been kind of sent one of these blanket, uh, sorry, better luck next time kind of emails just turns them off. And then, then they're more likely to turn around to someone else who they might know who you, you do want to work with someone that they're know if it's let's say you know we know that kind of in the it in the it space developers know other developers right they're all kind of oh, absolutely. They're, all on, they're on reddit and discord and chatting away and as soon as someone on there says look don't apply for this guy because this place I, here was just terrible i can't tell you the number of times uh i've hired developers that were referrals of someone who said no to a job offer it was like i'm not interested in this but joe over here would be great for you guys and so, oh, could you could you introduce us? And they do, and and you end up finding incredibly good people that way. 
candid experience. I, I don't know. I, you know, and maybe it's because of what my company does and all that, but at the same time, I, I just think it's underrated. And I think a lot of companies don't really think about uh, more not, it, candidate experience is one thing, but there's this initial experience. What happens right after the candidate applies? What happens in that first 10 minutes between the apply mm-hmm. and, and whatever happens next in that person's life. And, and you have this opportunity to just create this, this great impression on people. And most companies um, don't even try. They don't even try to have a great experience right away. And and it's not that difficult, right? You know, it could be no. as simple as, as, an, as you know, uh, and also don't, ex- don't take candidates and applicants for fools, right? They know the difference between something that's automated and that's some, someone that's real, but they don't necessarily mind. Okay. And, and we, we this, the, the data proves this. So if after they've applied and they've left you their, their, their phone number, their, their cell number, right? And you send them uh, a text message, an SMS, right? That just says, thanks for applying. That Within that first 10 minutes, that can make all the difference, okay? It's obvious it's not from from someone. It's from the HR department's kind of automated system or something. But it can make all the difference. And as, someone, as long as someone's kept in that process, so let's say, look, someone, you know, your, your CV is being reviewed or something like that. Or, you know, we're sorry that this time you haven't made it to the interview, but we we, 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 we still want to talk to you. Things like that, right? We don't want to necessarily interview you, but we still want to talk to you because you're not. We don't feel you're right for this, this this role, but maybe in the future. And that might be completely true. If it's not the right, if they're not the right for the for the role, just say you know, there's there's no reason why you couldn't just say, look, we're not right for this role, but we're going to keep your CV on on the database. Also, do you want to kind of do you want us to keep in contact with you in other in other means? Right, we've got all kinds of candidate resources that we can kind of share with you, and you can kind of even here. And if you want, you can also sign up for the for the for our candidate newsletter to find out what the latest other news jobs. Stuff like that, just to make them feel just a bit warmer and a lot less transactional, which recruitment sometimes can be. It can it can go there very quickly. So let's let's talk about candidate flow a little bit. Um, a lot of customers, when when I talk engage with a new company uh, that that's interested in our tech, a lot of times they start off with going, "We have a candidate flow problem," and then we'll prod them a little bit and they'll say, "Hey, I'm getting applicants, but we're not hiring any of them." And our team says almost everybody coming in is either unqualified or, or unresponsive. Um, you know, how do I get my arms around that problem? How do I how do I approach fixing that? Um, well, again, you're you're in you're ninety percent of the world has that kind of problem, right? That the, the you know the, you you put a job out there um, and you wait for these kind of uh, applications to come in. So, you know, there's there's a more kind of complicated route you can go at, and you flip it. That's right. I'm going to find people, right? <laughs> I'm going to search for the people I want to be in this role, you know, specifically and kind of flip it that way, you know, and that's much more of a, like a staffing and recruitment uh, kind of position, but there's no reason why internally you wouldn't kind of go down that route, right? I'm going to identify people. I'm going to start hanging out where these people are because I know there are audiences. We've already mentioned with the developers, the discords and the reddits, right? We know they're, we're in that in, in those kind of spaces. So there's, why are we not in those spaces in the first place and making sure that we are top of mind when we want to go to that community and, and say, look, we've got a couple of really good kind of developers roles or something like that. Now, most industries have those kinds of communities somewhere. So why we're not engaging in those communities in the first place to get ahead of this problem, you know? Uh, so that's what I would flip it and just say, look, I want to find, the, I'm going to search for these people and, and, and get them to come to me and bring them in, you know, as opposed to just kind of stick, seeing, throwing something at a wall and seeing what sticks. You know, I mean, the kind of old job board method. I, that's that's how I would probably get ahead of it. 
One of the things we're, we're having great success with um, here is with, believe it or not, with active candidates, um, mm -hmm. we're finding if we, we actually engage and have a conversation right after people apply, instead of waiting two, two three weeks until there's enough candidates to be worth looking at, um, if we start those conversations right when the apply happens, you're able to screen out the unqualifieds really quickly and get to uh, quite a few of the, the, the yeah. better candidates. But, but the bottom line is, um, you know, if you're going to have a good game on active candidates, you have to screen and screen and screen and screen quickly. And you, you do when you go over and build relationships and participate in communities and, and go to where the candidates are, you, you do create relationships. And I, I think it's really easy to forget that recruiting at, at, at its most fundamental level is a relationship business. Yep, exactly. It's people and people, right? Um, but a lot of these problems can be, you can get ahead of these by thinking strategically around the old old school kind of talent pooling and having a kind of a, a having a, a you know, a, a group of people that could be potentially great for your business who you're constantly in, in, kind of engaged with, you're kept, you're kept up to date with, you know, they're kept up to date with what you're doing. And then when you, 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 you don't, then you're getting ahead of these, like, there's every every scenario that we talked about, you're ahead of it already because you've got this pool of people who you can kind of dip into and go slow. Right, hi guys, you know whatever whatever systems you're using, you can say, look, we've got these roles. You know, feel free to apply because you know most people in that pool that you've already got are probably partially screened. They're probably part. You know, you've done, done some of that qualifying already. Um, this is what the smart businesses do. They get ahead of this stuff instead of being reactive and going, oh my god, we've got thirty. We need we, we've got thirty roles that need filling. You know. You know, this is an interesting question, James. Um, you know, a lot of companies, when you, you look at their recruitment marketing and, and how they spend their money, a lot, one bucket that doesn't get very much spend, that, that probably is one of the most effective buckets to spend money in is re-engagement. So I've got all these candidates that, that have applied before, and I see so many companies that um, are happy to go give the job boards money to get the same people that applied for a job last year to apply again. Instead, a lot of these companies could be just, hey, I've got a new opening. Let's re-engage with the community that I've already recruited and I've already talked to and I've already qualified. Um, it would seem to me that, that you know, 20, 30 percent of your candidates um, should be coming from re-engagement. What do you think? I, I completely agree. Um, and there's, there's, it's a very, that, that's a very similar scenario to the, to the staffing recruit businesses, right? You've got this pool of, of, of candidates within your ATS, right, or CRM, whatever it is. And the first place you go when you're looking for someone new is you go, go outside of that database. Okay. And it's just like, okay, so what you're basically doing, you're probably going to kind of get a load of duplicates in there uh, mm -hmm. if you go out to the database and again, costing you money. Um, and, you know, you've probably got these great people there. You just haven't had anything to do with you. They've come into the database and then just, boom, that's it. You never heard from them again. They've had that automated email off you to say, look, sorry, not you haven't been successful this time. Well, you know, if you'd have been done everything that we've been talked about today, right? If you've done that, you know, by the really way, paid... James, you know that rejection notice uh, that you're talking about right there? That is one of the worst email part marketing pieces ever created by man. <laughs> yeah, it's, I mean, it, it, it's um, it, as I said, it's it's very transactional. There's no there's no heart in it. It's not particularly engaging. And also, what you what you're doing, you're putting a very you're putting a full stop in that relationship at that point, right? There's nowhere to go after that. Once you've had, once you send that email, that's it. That, that's it. You can't go anywhere. If it's much more open, engaged, then you you can build a relationship, an ongoing relationship. You, you've, it's just that that email is like like the tombstone on a on a, an abusive relationship. I mean, it's just it's terrible. And I, I to this day, I don't understand why uh, why uh, 
companies love that the, the, the vaguely worded rejection notice. I, I, I don't, I don't get it. Um, I don't think I ever will. No. Um, yeah, I mean, I can understand why why some businesses do it because I guess if someone has gone th- gone that far and they've they've been reviewed and they're not they're not qualified um, for that for the role they're applying for, then they just don't want anything else to do with them. Now there is a you know just for the fact that you put uh, jobs out on- online, you're going to get all kinds of people apply for them, right? Yeah. Um, which which is good and bad, right? You want a diverse kind of and an, an, you want an equity. However, we know that you're probably going to get a lot of people who don't really kind of ever going to qualify or might not be even in the same geographic region that you want them to be, let's say. And what's, However, what's the old the old saying about that? Maybe the right thing to do is embrace reality and just accept you are going to get a lot of unqualifieds. Let's have a process for treating them well. Yeah. Or everything we've talked about today, you've already got that kind of engaged, you know, fine. You know, so, you know, when... The points where you don't you 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 don't have a lot of kind of vacancies and, and openings within your business. That's the point to start building out your your talent pools and your and building out your database and start to re-engage with them because at some point there are going to be these openings. Okay, when on, in that downtime, that's when to start kind of doing all that marketing to them and that and, and re-engagement. And when all these when when these when you've suddenly got that massive great big project in, you suddenly have to have those thirty new people on the shop floor, whatever it is. Then you've already kind of got a, 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 an engaged audience for you, and that can totally overcome that thing of chucking the, the your your job onto an act job aggregator and then waiting for all of these hundreds of in, inappropriate applications to come in. Oh yeah, uh, you've done, you've done the hard work basically in downtime. That's yeah. okay. So here's a, here's a crazy fact: ninety percent of candidates to this day, even even post COVID and the markets the way it is and everything, will still accept the first job offer that they get. Um, it, it's, I, it's mystifying to me that that's still the case, but it is, um, how do you really tell the difference between a candidate flow problem and a time to offer problem? It's an interesting one, right? Um, it is, there's always going to be a certain amount of this. Um, and it's partly based around the psychology of, of applying for, for a vacancy. You know, we've all been there and, um, you know, do you wait? Does a, does an applicant wait? You know what I mean for for more offers to come in, or do they take what's kind of in front of them? You know, and it's and, and I think there's a certain amount of kind of applicant um, uh, so, uh, kind of psychology that, that goes into this. So that's the thing we kind of expect, I, I, we need to understand at our end that that's how that, you know. Um, it's kind and, of the proverbial know, bird in the hand versus the bird in the bush. Yeah, um, and I, I'm not sure there's a there's there's anything that you know we can kind of massively do to, to influence that right so no, you know i think it's someone... something that a lot of us don't do a good job of realizing the reality of it and and i, I think a lot of companies go very slow getting to offers i, I completely and um you know if someone is that made that decision that they're going to leave their their job they're probably in a slightly not i wouldn't say desperate but you know that they're, 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 they're in that mindset so I, I would say they are time sensitive at least exactly exactly um and you know so that there's a there's a problem there and uh, there's a lot of times there's not much we can kind of do about it in in that kind of hiring process you know uh we can obviously always try and make our our business look try and look more kind of better to work for more beneficial than anyone else they're kind of going out going out there to do 
I think again it comes back to kind of a lot of things we've said to do said before but understanding the psychology why people want move roles and what are the drivers behind that I think can sometimes um, kind of give us a little bit of head start in front of this kind of stuff as well all right well I think we're, we're kind of at the end of the the questions and everything um, so I, I have a few quick questions for you James um, just oh. quick one word <laughs> short answer kind of kind of questions so uh, what what book have you read that was uh, really transformative in your business journey? Uh, Brand Sense by Martin Lindstrom. And what what made that book so great to you? What what was it that? Um, so it was the book that got me into marketing. It was the book that uh, I don't read a lot of business books, um, and this book uh, I was given at a conference, um, and it it dives into uh how marketeers and branders can uh use all the other senses that are available to you to make you you know to, to get you to buy into a company why do all mcdonald's look the same why does costa coffee always smell the same everywhere you go these kinds of things right uh and, and martin lindstrom um kind of delves into that and kind of builds on this kind of research that he did um and it's, it was released probably about 20 years ago um uh yeah but it was um yeah if you've not read it, go out. It's still, it's still, it's still really. If you're, if you're interested in kind of branding and 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 as, and as a marketer, then it is definitely something you kind of should be on your reading list. And what's what's next for uh, for your podcast? Well, um, we went we uh, kind of get through a hundred episodes is the kind of is our next kind of milestone. Um, so with the, the the bigger a big a big milestone. Funny enough, talking about Brenton, so we actually had Martin Lindstrom on the podcast a couple of oh really of yeah yeah. So I hunted him down and tracked him down and uh, made him an offer he couldn't refuse, um, and he actually came onto the podcast and uh, and we talked around uh, talked around Brenton. So that was a really big thing. So, but over the next kind of um, couple of months, we're going to probably adding in a few more kind of changes. So like yourselves, it's much more kind of interview style, but. Uh, we're going to try and get a few more people within the thinking circles kind of business on on onto there, and we're maybe doing a little bit some roundup around marketing news and the latest things in the in the industry, as well as kind of having the kind of continue to have the great guests, but change the format a little bit. I think we kind of you know change is as good as a rest, right? So, hundred episodes. Let's kind of see what we can um, if we can kind of uh, change it up a little bit. A hundred episodes is uh, something that, that's uh, that's amazing. I've I've got a little ways to go to get there with it, with with uh, pivot to first. So. Um, definitely. Well, it's, been about uh, three, it's been about three years. I think we're kind of been, we're, 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 we've been doing it. So, yeah. So just to wrap things up, anything that you'd like to share with our audience? Um, if anybody wants to know a little bit more about me and thinking circles, you can, uh, you know, Google thinking circles, uh, uh, we're everywhere. So it's think in circles, uh, .com. Um, if anybody wants to kind of uh, connect with me and know a bit more about what we do and, um, uh, just have a, have a casual chat then look for James Whitelock on, on LinkedIn. I'm always happy to uh, have, a, have a chat with anyone. All right. Thanks so much for joining us today, James. Uh, thanks, Mike. Day. My pleasure.